Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 351. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Yeah, this week on the show, we'll be taking a look at Jack Henry Robbins' VHS alongside of what we've been watching on the watch list and new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a chance. That'd be super helpful. A couple things to go over at the top of the show here. There will be a new Ryan Watches a Movie coming out this week. It's a very special episode. So we, I can say it on here now because we already told Ryan, but Kevin and I have been, Kevin and I have been secretly donating to the Frederick State Taxi Research Alliance throughout the year. Anytime Ryan gave a score that was uh, an eight, nine or 10. So if you're not familiar with Ryan Watch's movie or maybe just what we've talked about in the past on the show, Ryan has a disease called Frederick Sataxia. It's a neurological disease and currently there is no cure. So we thought we could use the podcast to help do something positive in the FA community. So we decided to donate every time he would give us seven, an eight, nine or a 10 in his score. So be sure to listen to that when we surprise him with the amount that we donated over the past year. No, he lost it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he was, uh, yeah, he was, I guess you could say he was ecstatic. For for 2020, uh, I'm going to try to bring back the monthly giveaways. I did a little bit in 2019, and then I sort of fell off on doing it, but I'm going to try to bring it back and do a monthly giveaway, a Blu-ray every single month. This month, we're kicking it off with the new Blu-ray release of Tammy and the T-Rex from 1994. This is the gore cut the Vinegar Syndrome is putting out. I'll put a link in the show notes where you can enter. You, you can also go on the website and it'll be listed on there as well. So if you want to win a copy of Tammy and the T-Rex, the gore cut, vinegar syndrome, limited edition, click the link and, and sign up. We're not going to do anything with your email or anything like that either. We're not going to sell your mm-hmm. information. This is just just a fun little thing. You could enter and win. I haven't seen it yet, by the way. I'm very anxious to see the Tammy and the T-Rex gore cut. We're recording this month's episode of Saved by the 90s today, so expect that to drop sometime within the next couple weeks. I think we're going to plan on releasing that on the 20th, so stay tuned for that. Just as a sneak peek, we're doing monster movies, January monster movies to be specific, so we're Mm going to be talking about Deep Rising, The Relic, Tremors, and body snatchers we're also going to be talking about the x-files yeah so stay tuned for that it's really fun to go back and watch some of these although tremors is like a yearly watch for me so that was that was nothing new but hey still enjoy it i love an excuse to watch tremors that's just that's an absolute classic it is it, it truly is truly I, that, that's like the first movie i think that i've i watched over and over and over again yeah when i watched it this time because i never really watched tremors and actually tried to think about why i love it so much so this time when i watched it i I was actually taking notes and like reasons why i really love tremors and what it does right and i'll be discussing it on the show but it really is a great movie good good i thought you were gonna be like at the end i had nothing in my notes and so (laughs) it's just a blank page <laughs> no, no, they do a lot of things right in that movie. All right, I think we can talk about our our movie this week, VHS. This is directed by Jack Henry Ro- Robbins. I have a synopsis here. This bizarre retro comedy shot entirely on VHS and beta follows 12-year-old Ralph as he accidentally records home videos and his favorite late-night shows over his parents' wedding tape. Now, I should be having a review up for this, a written review up for this, very shortly after this episode drops on Monday. So we'll start with you, Kevin. What were your initial impressions on VHS? This is this is an odd one because it like in in certain aspects it works. Like it it does a pretty good job of doing the whole channel surfing thing. 
So if you don't really know a whole lot about VHS, you know, it's they established pretty early on that this kid has a VHS camera. He got a tape, which is his family's or his parents' uh, wedding. So that cuts in and out of him recording stuff. But then they have, you know, he plugs it into the TV and he can record straight off the TV. So a lot of times they'll they'll switch to that. So it's him kind of channel surfing and watching TV. Okay. So it works well in that they do a good job of like creating that sense of channel surfing. But they do such a good job that the actual like process of channel surfing is really boring and mundane. So it comes across as really boring and mundane because you have, it either goes one of two ways, right? The little thing that, you know, with whatever program it is that he's on for a couple of seconds either sucks and it goes away, but okay, you're still watching something that sucks. Or it's actually something that's somewhat funny, but then it's gone. So you only get to enjoy it for, you know, a, maybe a minute or so. And that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's, 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 and then like the, the title of this movie, which is a weird thing to kind of comment on, but it just kind of gives an overall feeling of like, this is just a novelty thing. Like you, you, there's no really reason to take this seriously. I mean, it's hmm. called VH, yes. What the fuck? I, I like the title. <laughs> I like it. I like but, it. And it's like, okay, you, you got the, the VHS thing. I, I, yeah. But, you know, there's, and for me, there is very small amounts of this that I was like, oh, this is funny. I'm enjoying this. A lot of the other stuff, I was just, this is kind of dumb. I'll agree with you in, in certain, in, in certain respects with this. I, I didn't find myself like laughing hysterically throughout this, but some of, some of the, some of the things I thought were really amusing. It, it's very bizarre as the synopsis suggests it's very much, it feels like an Adult Swim thing. Mm-hmm. That, that's what yeah. it feels like to me. So if you're familiar with the like live action Adult Swim stuff that they put on like really late night, you know, like Too Many Cooks and those other kind of one-off things that they do sometimes. What's the one? Un, was it unedited footage of a bear or un... Mm-hmm. Yeah, something along those lines. Like that. Just those kind of things that are like or even like a tim and eric type thing where it's sort of a riff on cable access stuff that you would see in the in the 80s or 90s early 90s i think this does take place in the 80s actually yeah i think it was like 88 or something 86 88 somewhere around there and it's it's sort of like almost like sketches almost like skits that that occur as this kid is recording stuff off of late night TV and some of it worked, some of it didn't. It was a little bit of a a mixed bag for me, although I think the overall package I enjoyed, I just like the concept really. What it boils down to is I I like the idea of this movie. I like the idea more than I like the actual execution of it. Yes. I think the, the idea of making a, a modern movie and shooting it entirely on VHS and beta is I think it's a great idea. I thought that they they did nail the aesthetic of it because of how they shot it. Uh, if they tried to like if they shot it on digital and then tried to make it look like VHS, I don't think it would have been as effective. I don't think it would have worked as as good. And I and I think that there's a certain nostalgia that this brings that that kind of skews my enjoyment of it because this is something that I did like I did this as a kid I would take these random home movies of just dumb just dumb shit like outside in my yard or whatever and I would record random garbage off of TV so this kind of brought me back to somewhat of a a bygone era where you could just record stuff off of your your giant VHS camcorder and plug it into your TV and record stuff that was on TV so in a lot of ways, it did feel make me feel nostalgic, and I I really enjoyed that aspect of it too. But like you said, some of the channels, some of the shows that are represented here are kind of really hit or miss. It's odd too, too, because one, I mean, you know, this director Jack Henry Robbins, which it took me, 
embarrassingly amount of time <laughs> to figure out to that he, <laughs> he was the son of Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon. Because like, yeah, because like I clicked on a couple of things, and like there's there's another picture of Tim Robbins. I'm like, why is Tim Robbins so invested in this guy? Like it doesn't like it doesn't match up. And then I finally put two and two together. And realize I'm like, oh, he loves his son. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> he wants to be a supportive father. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because to... in, like a lot of the shorts are, it looks like he just there's this like all these other shorts that he made. He just kind of dumped them into VHS because he has the Hot Winner, which is a short from 2017. Painting with Joan is a short from 2017. Christmas '92 is a short from 2016. So it looks like he just took a lot of these shorts. And just kind of splice them into this. Well, they're different, DHS though. Thing. They are different. Are they? Yeah. At least, well, actually, the only one that I saw was Painting with Joan. And that one is, I'm pretty sure. I mean, they, they definitely expanded on it. They didn't. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, a lot of the a lot of the shows that are in this were lifted from his previous short films. I enjoyed the Painting with Joan. Carrie Kenny. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like the, the Painting with Joan. The only things I did like was the what the hell the anti roadshow knockoff thing. The, the Mark Proch one. <laughs> and I just love when it's when it's dirty. It's just like it's it's a chair. I don't I don't know what you want me to say. It's not even that old. It's just like a plastic fold. <laughs> and I love that it, it wasn't really like what is it worth or anything. It was just what was it called? Like what is this? Like can you that, tell me yeah. what, what? Can you tell me what this is? Yeah, and so that was it. it was, he was just telling people what it was. So that worked for me a little bit. And then the the ridiculous like late night softcore. That was thing. the best. I thought that that the, those segments were the best. I thought that those were the funniest. That the the <laughs> edited for TV softcore porn that that they would show. And to me, the the only thing that worked was because of the guy uh, Cameron Simmons. Oh, he was he so... Oh, my God. He just he nailed that role. He was so funny. Every line, every stilted line delivery that he gave, I thought was just... It made me laugh. I, I Yeah, I thought that the, those segments were the best. It's so ridiculous. And, I mean, it did, get, it did get a little bit interesting how they tried to, like, actually make it, like, a movie and to be about something, you know, with the whole VHS and the constant recording and having an impact on your reality. But that just came like a little bit, you know, too little, too late at the end for me. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of. Like, uh, things are getting interesting. Yeah, when they interviewed that that one uh, woman who was talking about like how this this like is the beginning of a kind of a scary future where everything is recorded and we're all, you know, basically prophesizing what the the reality that we live in now, where everything is on social media we're all these vain narcissists who are just recording everything that we do and we're all glued to our phones and all of that I, I liked that but I also liked the sort of undercurrent of the problems that his parents were having and how you yeah. got just these little breadcrumbs of what was going on in this kid's family life and clearly a the impending divorce of his parents and I, I liked that aspect of it too it gets a little surreal at the end too it gets a little it gets significantly more bizarre towards the end yeah i could use more of that more of the weirdness a lot of it, like well like so much of it is just the the channel surfing which again like i said like he does a good job of capturing the channel surfing but at the same time it's i'm not even doing the channel surfing someone else is like me doing channel serving myself is a very mundane and awful task, but having someone else do it and me witnessing it is even worse. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a, it's a, it's supposed to be an immersive piece, right? It's supposed to be like, we just found this VHS tape. Like we went to Goodwill and we bought a VCR and it just happened to have this tape in it. And we sat down and we just watched it. You know, and it, yeah. it was just this compilation of all kinds of random things, you know, cutting from the wedding to the dumb little home home videos that I did love the scene when 
they were setting up the fireworks and he was he told him to hit the red button and it actually stopped recording and then they started because that's happened that happened to me multiple times as a kid so i enjoyed that i think my least maybe my least favorite was the charlene Yi segments where she has that like yeah talk show thing with her parents in in their basement and they had like the bands on i, I thought that way too much time was spent like yeah. sh- showing full music numbers i wasn't really into that and i had a hard time believing that this like 12 year old kid would sit through that like watch that whole thing because i know yeah. me and me at me at 12 i would put that on and be like nope and just change the channel i i don't want it to sound like i didn't enjoy this movie though i i I did I did like the concept and I liked where they were going for it and I found several of the segments to be pretty funny and I just I liked how it was all put together. It it's only like what 74 minutes long or something like that, 72 minutes as yeah, well. So it's I mean, it's pretty it's pretty brisk. I mean that is that is uh that's one of its top benefits, I think. Yeah, with, I I think with a movie like this you can't you can't no. make it. You just can't yeah, make it. Because I long. think even for me personally, I think even the the seventy five minutes or whatever was too long. I think this this would be fine as a short. You make it like fifteen minutes long. Do you remember how long, yeah. how how much time you could record on a VHS tape? Those like extended no. play VHS tapes, you could record like twelve hours on them. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like so long. You could, you could fit so much on a VHS tape. I liked Ralph's friend, Josh, played by. Uh, Rom Braslaw. Yeah, they could, they could have done more of that too. I thought he was funny. More more stuff with the kids. Yeah, more stuff is just more stuff besides the 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 channel surfing. It's like so much of it is just for whatever reason him plugging in and flipping around, flipping they, around they, the channel. They did break it up a little bit though. They did have those sort of interstitial moments with with the two kids and him interacting with his parents and stuff, but. Eh. Uh, any final thoughts on VHS? No. Okay. Uh, what are you going to give it out of 10? Uh, I give it like a four and a half, five. I'm sitting at a six on this one. All right. All right. VHS will be in limited release on Friday. All right. Let's move on and talk about someone watching on our watch list. I think it might be your turn, Kevin. Oh, okay. Let me hit you with a big one right off the bat. Irishman. Oh, oh! I mean, really, you know, this was <clears throat> part of the the whole the whole catch up, twenty nineteen catch up thing that we didn't really get to talk about it because we doing other things for the podcast. Yeah, there. but yeah, yeah. Irishman, you know, Scorsese in there. So two things that you know everyone was kind of talking about, which I found kind of surprising. One, not really surprising, which we already talked about. Runtime, perfectly paced movie. I think they cover a lot, but the way in which he does it. I didn't really feel that runtime at all. I thought it was perfectly paced, honestly. And I was I was in it pretty much the whole way through. There was nothing that was like, okay, it, it, to me, it didn't drag at any point. The other thing that, the main thing that surprised me, okay, is there was a lot of di- discussion, a lot of talk about the whole, you know, like Anna Paquin doesn't have anything to say in this movie. So tons of talk about that before I saw The Irishman. So... I'm kind of curious to see how that goes. And I'm very perplexed because not only is it kind of obvious what is happening with Anna Paquin's character here, but like, it's not even like subtext. Like it's, it is like full on forward facing. It's like out in front of like what the purpose of her character is and her silence is that just completely baffles me that anyone would like misconstrue that. Yeah. Just, I, I didn't get that just, either. <laughs> it just blew my mind. Like I thought there would be a little bit more there, but like, like the camera lingers on her to like, to make a point that she, there's a reason that she doesn't speak. I think the same can be said about people complaining uh, of Margot Robbie's lack of dialogue in once upon a time in Hollywood. Like, I just, I don't think that the lack of dialogue somehow diminishes a character's role in a movie. Yeah. But, I mean, just, like, even the way that it's presented in this movie, like, there's 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 a very good reason 
that it's done this way, which is just, it, it, I was so confused. I'm like, how can you misread that? The the only thing that I thought was kind of weird was the, the, the de-aging thing. I think that didn't really work for me, but it also didn't really detract from the overall experience. I just, it was like, yeah, it doesn't look that great, but whatever. I thought it was fine. Like, I didn't, I didn't really have an opinion on it one way or the other. It was one scene, and I don't know if, like, part of the de-aging process was to make De Niro's eyes, like, like brighter in color. Because there's one sequence where, like, he looks up, and his eyes go to, like, fucking neon crystal blue. And it was just really bizarre. But it was only for, like, a little bit. I don't remember that. But overall, it seems like you were pretty high on The Irishman. I, I was pretty high on The Irishman. I had me hooked. Let's see. I saw The Wraith from 1986. This is, uh, I don't even know what you want to call this. Not really a horror movie. I guess it's a horror movie. Uh, it's directed by Mike Marvin, stars Charlie Sheen, Nick Cassavetes, Randy Quaid, and Clint Howard. <laughs> That's quite the, uh, quite the lineup there. So it's about, uh, it takes place in this Arizona, a little Arizona town where there's this like, gang this this gang who are just running the town and they uh they're like running people off the road and t forcing people to enter in these street races and they're they're taking their cars and and uh this mysterious character shows up in this like futuristic looking car sort of looks like a cyber truck actually and yeah. This, this person seems to be like going around taking down these gang members. And it just so happens, coincidentally, that Charlie Sheen shows up in the town, too. He's a new guy, new guy in town. And it, uh, <clears throat> unsurprisingly, Charlie Sheen is the guy, the mysterious uh, person in the black, the black car. And guess what? He's a ghost. What? He's a ghost. It's ridiculous and it's pretty fun. <laughs> He's a ghost. He is a ghost. Yep. In a cyber truck. Ghost in a cyber truck. Yep. Why why is he doing this? What is the ghost in the cyber truck? He's getting he's getting revenge because the gang this gang they killed him. Killed him. I wonder where he got the cyber truck. How does the ghost get a cyber truck? There's a lot of questions raised in this movie that never really get answered because there's got to be like there has to be like a supernatural department it's it's so ridiculous you would have to go to he has this it's so weird he has this like suit this like black suit it's yeah, got like it. it's got like tubes and wires and stuff and every time he kills one of the gang members like there's these sort of like leg braces that he has on. And every time he kills one, one of the leg braces disappears. So he's like, I guess, regaining his freedom or something. And, wow. and then after he kills them all, he's just Charlie Sheen again. But here's the, here's the weird thing. When he was a human, when he was alive, he was not Charlie Sheen. He was a different actor. So like they, they changed him. Really bizarre so movie. I kind of want to watch it. It's bad. It's very bad, but it's 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 strange, unique. Hmm. Uh, I watched Larry Cohen's "God Told Me To" from 1976. Oh yeah, and man, Larry Cohen, like, it's just not talked about in the way they should be. Like he's like he's a canon director to me, or he should be at least. I find him to be a very, very interesting director. Well, I love his style. And man, God told me to is that bad boy starts off, gets straight into it. Oh yeah. <laughs> just getting straight into it. And I just, I love the idea of this, that, you know, a, a bunch of random New Yorkers just start killing people going on killing sprees. You know, there's a sniper on a water tower. There's a guy that like stats his entire family, uh, a cop played by Andy Kaufman, no less, shoots a bunch of people during the, the St. Patty's Day Parade. 
And every time that this this detective, played by uh, Tony LoBianca, goes and you know asks him why you do it, you know they all they say is that God told them to, and he kind of starts digging and looking into it. And uh, I I really enjoyed where this went, and it, it's a hell of a movie. This is on Shutter. You you can watch this on Shutter by the way. You can also watch this. This was a part of uh, uh, right now on the Criterion Channel. They have this uh, program of seventy sci-fi movies, and this was a part of that. So good, so good. Uh, I saw Countdown. This is a horror movie from twenty nineteen that I I missed out on, and I was slightly interested in it. The premise of this is that you download this app on your phone, and it tells you exactly when you're going to die, and that's that's it like that's what that's what happens when the countdown goes to zero you're dead oh boy uh at the beginning i was getting some major major final destination vibes from it so i was like oh okay all right i'm kind of i'm kind of digging on this because like you can you can sort of cheat death and every time you do that it uh, and like a notification pops up on your phone and says like user agreement terms have been violated or something like that and so for instance at the beginning of the movie they open with uh all all these these kids at this party and they all download the app and for Mm -hmm. one of for one of the young women at the party it says that she only has like three hours to live everybody else it says there's you know years and whatever and so she gets kind of nervous about it and she's like she doesn't really believe it but She's like, you know what? I'm going to play it safe. So like her boyfriend is completely shit faced and wants to drive her home. And she's like, no, 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 I'm going to walk. Mm-hmm. And when she decides to not get in the car with him, it gives her the notification that the user agreement was violated or whatever. She makes it home, but some sort of force kills her. And, and then it turns out the, the boyfriend was in a, bad car accident and it's uh it's so it starts off somewhat promising it starts off a little bit a little bit compelling but it man it derails so quickly when it's just like it turns into a basically just a standard ghost story and it's not that interesting in the end so i can't really recommend countdown by justin dick uh, I watched Le Corbeau from 1943. Trying to trying to get some older movies back into the the rotation there, especially considering you know like the last two months is just uh, just an onslaught of trying to cram in as many 2019 titles as humanly possible. So kind of got the, this aversion to uh, newer films. They're trying to go back. Watch some, you know, old old forties French French movies. Understandable, right? So this is an interesting one in that uh, the character uh, Remy Germain, he's a doctor in a small French town, right? Kind of has some, some, his past is a little bit uh, suspicious. A little, you know, people don't know about. Got some secrets. So a lot of people in town start receiving letters from quote-unquote, the raven that kind of uh, starts, you know, mostly libeling him, saying that he's like an abortionist and all this stuff, and like he's a really bad person and that you should stay away from him. But like everyone starts getting letters about like the whole town, like all the all the secrets of the town are getting thrown out there by the raven and his, and his letters that he's sending to everybody. And, of course, everyone kind of loses it. You know, some of them think... At certain times, they're like, oh, you know, this is just bullshit. We shouldn't listen to it. But there is that, like, little bit, the kernel of truth in there that, you know, everyone starts to get suspicious of everyone else. You know, they're all starting to they're all starting to get a little bit antsy with everyone. And uh, so, you know, of course, it, it turns into this, like, they have to find out who the raven is, who's writing all these letters. Of course, the doctor, he's, he's the one that's getting the brunt of it. Like, no one wants to be around this guy. And, of course, he was having an affair with a, a young wife of a, another another doctor and he's seen another woman and all this stuff. And uh, it is, it's pretty, it's pretty phenomenal. 
I have to say. Nice. I mean, it just it hooks you right off the bat with the whole idea of this, you know, the Raven sending these letters to like every single person in the town. It kind of creates this mass hysteria and trying to figure out who it is and the reasonings behind it. Sounds very so intriguing. It, yes, I I would I definitely recommend it. And that's Le Corbeau. Is that that's mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's like a Criterion Channel. Yes, yeah. it's on there. Trying to get uh, my money out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I watched like four movies last year from that from that service. You know, paying like ninety dollars for it. Yeah, it's underwhelming or it's overwhelming, isn't it? Like I, I canceled my Disney Plus subscription because I was like, you know what? I'm just I like the idea of having all these kind of classic Disney movies and whatnot at my disposal, but realistically, am I ever going to have time to? just watch one of these for fun. I, I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick it back up when they get some, something else new that I'm interested in. I saw underwater. Yes. This is the, the new sci-fi horror movie, yes. big, big budget sci-fi horror movie by uh, William Eubank, who he did the signal back in 2014. <laughs> I was into that movie. I liked that movie. I was, I was going to say, I thought, you, I thought you enjoyed that one. Uh, yeah, I did enjoy it. I didn't love it, but I thought it was it was pretty solid. This movie uh, I really enjoyed as well. It's your classic underwater contained horror movie that features some some creatures. You got some monsters in there, but like a lot of these other movies, the the creatures are almost play they almost play second fiddle to the the survival aspect of it they're in this giant underwater mining facility that's seven seven miles (laughs) under the ocean ocean surface and these these creatures are just wreaking havoc and cause a a massive uh breach and it causes all kinds of problems. Basically, this this whole facility it's it's enormous, but it's just breaking down piece by piece. And uh, Kristen Stewart plays uh, this scientist who has to sort of get the hell out of there and get her her crew members out of there as well. Really fun. This movie is completely nonstop. It just the the opening scene shit hits the fan and it doesn't let up until the very end it's you know normally in movies like this you have almost the the, the first entire act is set up you know introducing the, the team uh sh- like showing what this base is what they're doing you know establishing the ranks and us getting to know these crew members a little bit before all of the chaos happens with this one, you don't even know what's going on. You don't know why this is happening. It's just movie opens, bam, you're in it. And I actually really loved that. I thought that that was a really cool way to structure the movie because what happens is it focuses on Kristen Stewart's character. I think her name's uh, Nora. And as she's trying to escape her situation, she ends up finding the the survivors like sort of one by one and then we're introduced to the next person and the next person and so on and this allows for these character introductions to be a lot more organic in how they're introduced rather than having this like giant exposition dump at the beginning where okay so this is the this is the comedic relief guy this is the this is the captain this is the research assistant who's sort of new to the whole thing and she doesn't really know what's what's going on and this is the pilot guy and you know rather than dumping all of that onto us at the beginning and feeling a little like not not very realistic i guess is what i'm uh, not not realistic but just like again i said organic i think that's the best term um yeah usually again it makes it, it makes the pacing feel uh, a lot more even because of that. I mean, this is they're in an emergency situation and they're not going to waste time 
telling the audience like who this person is, what their relationship is. All of the character development happens in a very fluid manner throughout throughout the movie. And I think they did a really great job with that. The set pieces are numerous and very exciting. It's a very suspenseful movie. You can imagine the kind of situations that you'd be in if you're in a an underwater base that's like seven miles down, dealing with the pressure of the ocean, you know, the water and the lack of oxygen and all of the various other things, not to mention the, the creatures that are trying to kill them. So I had a blast with it. I thought it was really fun. I, I'm really bummed that it's not doing better at the box office and that a lot of critics were not really high on this one. I don't really understand like what they wanted out of it. I think I think the the big thing that excites me is when you said that it 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 doesn't let up, just kind of jumps into it and then goes. Yeah. Yep. It is. is. That's 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 what I'm looking for, especially for the you know for like studio type movies going to the theater. Like just get in, let's do it. Get me on the edge of my seat. Keep me there until the end. Yeah. It it definitely it definitely succeeds at, at doing that. There's almost no downtime in this. It's just like one thing after the other. Because they're like racing against the clock. Like they gotta get to this other base before where they're at is com- completely implodes under the under the water. So there's a lot of like really <clears throat> claustrophobic moments there's things where like they have to crawl through these like really really tiny openings and rubble and stuff underwater and it's yeah really really fun really exciting it's got a bad name i I don't know if maybe the title hurt it in some way i don't i don't know yeah super super generic yeah not very seo friendly that that title no uh chris irritates me over the last couple of years, it's just so, there's just no creativity. And like in in the filmmaking itself, like from studios, there's not enough creativity, which is bad enough. But even the fucking titles, like Jesus, you can't just put a little bit more, you know, wrestle dabs on the name. I know, right? Uh, Chris At the very least. Exactly, yeah. Kristen Stewart was really good in this too. I mean, she's just, she kicks so much ass in this movie. She's, She's fantastic in it. And really the whole cast does a does a really solid job. Um you got John Gallagher Jr. in there, Vincent Cassell, um, Momodu Athi, probably mispronouncing that apologies. TJ Miller's in there too, and he's not horrible. Uh Jessica Henwick is in there as well. So good cast, uh, and a really solid movie. And uh, I think you should go see it. Go, go check it out. Support support this endeavor. I think that movies like this represent a dying breed, and we need to try to support studios in making something more than just remakes and reboots and comic book adaptations. Uh, I have one that is a lot of downtime and also has a kind of generic title, but it's not a studio film. This is a part of my uh, 2019 wrap-up. Uh, I came across a, a movie called Bird Island. Uh, this played on the, the Free Festival Scope website. So this is a one-hour feature. Uh, it's kind of one of those, those hybrids where it, it really has a, a strong sense, a strong feel, like the documentary, but with a little bit of a narrative through line in there. So this is directed by Maya Cosa and Sergio DaCosta. This is a guy... This young guy that has some some issues nerve wise and everything, he gets set in this this bird island. It's like the sanctuary. They kind of give him a job and giving him a chance to take over for this guy that is retiring. Which all this guy does really is breed rats in order to feed to the raptors the various raptors that are on this, this bird sanctuary. So they have a, you know, a bunch of hawks and a bunch of owls and all sorts of birds, right? And this guy is the young guy that's kind of taken over or training to take over. He's, he's having a difficult time, but the atmosphere of this place, 
kind of helps him too. So it kind of has that dual theme of not only are they kind of rehabilitating these birds, but they're also rehabilitating the people that work there. And just like the overall, you know, the atmosphere of it, the tone of it, 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 it reminded me a lot of like a Brisson film in the way that it's structured and the way that it looks and everything. And it's just, uh, it's pretty great. And I, this ended up being in like my top 20 of the year. So if you get a chance at some point in the new year, Bird Island comes out, I definitely, I definitely would check it out. All right. Uh, the last one I'll mention is Synonyms. Uh, this came out, this was part of my 2019 cram as well, and I just didn't get a chance to mention it on the show. This is directed by Nadav Lapid. It's, uh, this, th- I think that this ended up on a bunch of people's like year end lists. This, yeah. Some somewhat high profile. This one, I didn't really enjoy it. The <laughs> really, really, what it, it so it focuses on this Israeli man who g- moves to Paris in order to leave behind his his Israeli nationality. He's he's trying to become a French national. He's he he's done. He's done with the life in Israel. He doesn't want to deal with it anymore. He doesn't want to be Israeli. He wants to be French. I don't even know if it's specifically that he wants to be French. It's more so that he just doesn't want to be Israeli anymore. So he's not great with the French language. So he um, steals a a Franco-Israeli dictionary and he just uses that to sort of get by. He's staying at this, he doesn't really have any money, and he's staying at this place, and he gets all his stuff stolen while he's taking a shower, and he has no clothes, he's completely naked, no money, no, no nothing, and this young couple, who appear to be very wealthy, this wealthy couple sort of take him in and become friends with him, and the movie just kind of follows his uh, his life, like he's just, he gets a job at this as a security guard, he takes classes to become a French national and he just lives. It just follow, it follows him around just doing his thing. The thing is like, he's kind of an asshole though. Like he's, he does like he goes, he sort of party crashes and steals food. And I don't know. He's just sort of a, sort of a prick the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I can't really get behind this this character he's a very really abrasive character he's not he's not enjoyable it's it's meant to be that way he's not meant to be a very likable character i don't think but the movie was fine overall i just um i don't know so, so something about it it really wasn't gelling with me too much like it was it was okay i would, I would say it's like middle of the road for me well take that off the list though because i do like you said i've seen that i've seen that show up on a number of lists but at the same time i did, i didn't really remember anyone talking about it which was kind of a perplexing title for me for 2019 to see it on list but also not remembering anyone speaking of it yeah i mean I, i'm actually kind of struggling to even talk about it, Is it yeah i can take that off the list I, I don't really there's not i mean i remember specific scenes but there's there's like i don't know it's, it's just it's fading from my memory very rapidly at this point yeah uh i don't really have anything else to really talk about like i saw the new star wars that sucks big time um i crammed in the lighthouse i didn't really like that i thought the performance the performances were good, and it looked pretty great, but then it got really fucking redundant, and just it went absolutely nowhere, and it was really annoying. Yeah, I found it to be really grating. Like I, I, I just, I mean, I, I recognize the 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 really the thing that did it for me, like you said, was the performances and the cinematography. Like that's what really brought it up for me big time. But like, it's not a movie that I could see myself going no. back and watching again. God no. And there becomes a certain point too, like halfway through it, where you're like, okay, I get it. Like the black and white, it looks great with the ocean and everything. 
and Willem Dafoe's doing his thing. But, like, you know, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And after a certain point, it's just like, we're not doing anything. Like, you're just reiterating what this is every five minutes. Like, there's no point to this. And I just, I was really hoping that it would culminate in something. Like, when it finally got, but even then, it didn't even, like, it's such a mundane culmination. It's just like, I, I, I suffered through that, you know, I wanted through all of that. And that's, that was the payoff. That's what you gave me. Hmm. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We have Weathering With You. This is the animated film from the, it's from the, the director of Your Name, which I actually liked a whole lot. This one sounds interesting. I just saw a clip for this recently it's about a a young woman who has the ability to change the weather like she can make oh, it yeah she can make it sunny Ooh. she can she can clear the skies okay looks like another tearjerker maybe oh boy from uh, mikado shinkai i'll be checking this one out at some point this year i don't know if i'll see it in the theater we got Bad Boys for Life. Oh, by the way, uh, Weathering with You is in theaters on the 15th. Mm. Bad Boys for Life is going to be in theaters on Friday. What do you think about Bad Boys for Life? Were, were you into the Bad Boys movies? I can't remember. No, I don't think I've seen any of the Bad Boys movies. I saw both of them, and uh, I never liked them. Like I, I remember Ryan was so into yeah. the bad boys movies in fact a lot of our friends were back then yeah. they just loved bad boys man everybody loved bad boys but i just i don't know for whatever reason couldn't really get into it and this one just doesn't really look like anything to me i'm not too excited about this also Doolittle is coming out same same feeling with that not too excited this is the robert downey no. jr one this looks so terrible yeah i agree looks pretty rough you gotta be kidding me that's it for theaters wow yeah so needless to say i i don't think i'll uh i don't think i'll be heading to the theater no this, this uh this week get some chores done make it to do list. yeah vhs is going to be in theaters too as we mentioned that's that's the one i would see but i doubt that that's that's not getting a wide release <laughs> no no. On VOD this week, we have A Serial Killer's Guide to Life is going to be available uh, on Monday as you're listening to this, the 13th. Then on the 14th, we have Give Me Liberty. We got Nothing Man, Angels Fallen. And then on the 17th Friday, we have Immortal Hero, Film School Africa, Disturbing the Peace, The Wave. That's a sci-fi comedy with Justin Long. Justin Long, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still I haven't, heard that name in, I haven't heard that name in a while. He's, he's doing stuff here and there. Got a Fall from Grace, and that's going to be on Netflix. Oh. Got Extracurricular. Looks like a horror comedy. Uh, maybe just a horror. Teen horror. Troop Zero, that's going to be on Amazon Prime. That's the one about the Girl Scout. Girl Scout Camp takes place in 1977. Got Viola mm -hmm. Davis, McKenna Grace, Jim Gaffigan, Mike Epps, Allison Janney. And that's about it for VOD. On Blu-ray this week, we have the Beverly Hills Cop Trilogy. We got Gemini Man, uh, Maleficent Mistress of Evil, Brewster's Millions from 1985. Yeah. Yes. A little Richard Pryor action. That's, that's going to be available on... Uh, Shout Factory. I think Shout Factory is releasing that. The Jungle Book is getting a 4K release. This is the... Wait, is this the live action one? I can't even tell. Yeah, this is the live action one from 2016. Demons of the Mind from 1971. Oh, boy. Jexy from last year. That's the comedy with the guy who gets the, the phone, the AI. It's like the it's like the comedic take yeah. on, on her. Yeah. Ryan was telling me about this one. <laughs> I'm sure he was. 
Ryan was telling me he saw that one. I'm sure he did. Did he like it? Uh, I think so. I mean, he's telling you about it, so... Yeah. It must have had an impact on him. You did. Creep from 1995 is coming out. This is an SRS Sim exclusive, limited to 100. Only 100 of those getting made. Wow. Line of Duty, starring Aaron Eckhart. Remember Aaron Eckhart? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I totally forgot about him. Do you remember how big he was? He was so big. He, he, He was. That's another one of those guys that it didn't 100% make sense. You know who I was thinking like about? He wasn't, he wasn't bad. But no, no, he wasn't bad. But it just, it was it was odd that, it's very strange the people that they pick and try and force on us. Well, I still think he was great and thank you for smoking. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was but he's very, he's very limited. I would, in, uh, yeah, I would call him plain. Yeah. He was just kind of a plain actor. Yeah. Like, he was good, but he was just kind of plain. I mean, he did a good job as uh, Harvey Dent, too, in The Dark Knight, Two-Face. Oh, you know who I was thinking about the other day? Chris Kattan. Remember Chris Kattan? <laughs> what happened to Chris Kattan? Not, not really the same, the same thing, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting case as well. I didn't. It's weird that you said that because for some reason I was thinking about Chris Kattan yesterday, but more specifically his character of Mango. I don't I don't know why. Like I just remembered that and I was like, that was a thing. Yeah. Like people people thought that was like really funny. And yeah. they did it numerous times. One of our friends, I'm pretty sure his favorite movie was Corky Romano. <laughs> Remember Josh? Yeah. <laughs> he loved Corky Romano. <laughs> and to be honest, I think Chris Kattan was like tailor made for him. Oh yeah, like, he was created just for uh, one friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have Running with the Devil. This is the Nicolas Cage and Lawrence Fish- Fishburne one. We got Piranhas. Give me Liberty. We got Brit Marie was here. I'm not sure what that one is. Iron Sky: The Coming Race. That's that's probably at least the third one in that series. Pacific Rim Uprising, that's probably some kind of new Blu-ray release. I can't imagine that they're just now releasing that on Blu-ray. A Dog's Purpose, again, I think that must be some sort of re-release. Ride Along 2, same deal. She Walks in the Woods from last year. Never heard of that. It's a horror movie. That's pretty much it. What about Criterions this week? Oh, we have one. It's 1960s, The Fugitive Guide, mm. with Marlon Brando, based on the Tennessee Williams play. You know, Blu-ray of that, high definition, digital restoration. Look out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.